You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. I just realized I think today's the day I have to make my Super Bowl pick. I mean, you don't have I've done it yet. You could just not. You could just pick a tie, or just. I'd like to kind of just abstain from the voting on this. Yeah. Like maybe some people should have last night with their embarrassment. I, I like uh, one thing that uh, Mike Shope likes to say in these situations. I know a lot is when he gets asked who's going to win. Just I don't know. How am I supposed to know? If I if I that's knew, actually, I would then, bet. That's, it. Isn't that isn't that Paul Hamilton's uh, it's, it's opening? Pa- Paul, it's, people yeah. ask me if the Sabers going to win. I have no clue. Right, Paul has made it a uh, a specialty of his for for a long time. Which you know, I probably will bet the Niners for Sunday because mm-hmm. everyone seems confused about the spread and why they're favored in the first place. And generally, mm-hmm. when most people are confused about the spread, I would like to side with the sports book on that, which would be betting the Niners. I think in this case. Yeah, it's interesting. Why are they favored? Like, what is the reasoning given here? Why are they favored? I, I, if you would have told me, I had no idea, and you said who's favored, I would have said, oh, probably Chiefs by three or four. I, I think they're favored because they've, haven't they been the better team all season? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. I, I think that's why they're favored. Right. I think uh, I heard um, who, who like two seconds ago was it Twitter or was it even Jeremy? Someone just told me that uh, second half offense. This year, the Niners are number one in the league, and the Chiefs are 29th. Just like there's these little things along the way that build up evidence that this isn't the same Chiefs team. The Niners have been pretty dominant all year, except for like two or three games. Um, but that last night's awards are maybe an example of this. It's a lot of recency bias. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately, mm-hmm. and that matters too. And the recency bias is the Chiefs just went into Buffalo and Baltimore and won, and I think everyone's pretty much in agreement that we all thought the Niners should have lost to Green Bay. Probably right. What is the reason Josh Allen was left off of like 50% of the uh, votes? Doesn't it, doesn't it have to be turnovers? I don't know what else it's it is. Gotta is, be, it, is it it's got to be. It's got to be. And you know what? Yeah, it, it's that, and it's also, I think, still, we still have this seven years later. Of the, I'm just like, I've never liked the guy. He's came, I, I think it's, there's a lot of people who've been voting for a long time who probably had opinions on him who don't want to change their opinion. And anytime he fails in any regard, it's a chance for them to kind of puff their chest out and do that. And I, but I agree with you, Joe. Like, and I did a breakdown here. I actually did the stats this morning. All right. I see if I have this. Yep. I got it with me. Mm-hmm. I added up total touchdowns. For the four guys in the top five of the MVP voting, because it was Jackson, Dak Prescott, and then you had McCaffrey, and then two more quarterbacks, Purdy and Allen. And I added up the total touchdowns, passing, rushing, and then I added up the total turnovers, interceptions plus fumbles lost. And yes, I think that this is what it has to come down to for the statistics-based arguments that anybody wants to make. Yeah, He just has more turnovers, so I'm not going to vote. He has too many turnovers. I can't vote for him. The dude is the only one, like, he has 44 touchdowns. He had 44. And by the way, voting is done before the playoffs, so everybody knows. Regular yep. regular season is all that counts. In case anybody didn't know that, the playoffs do not count. They make the vote before the playoffs even start. So you don't, can't count that. Lamar Jackson had 29 total touchdowns. 
Josh Allen had 15 more in 17 games. And I'm not, I am not here to tell you Lamar Jackson did not deserve MVP. I think he did. It's fine. I would have had no problem with Josh. I had zero problem with Lamar. I've said that. But the guy who won it, Josh Allen had 15 more touchdowns total than him and nine more turnovers. And he I, I don't know. I don't know where to go there. And he shouldn't have had 49 out of 50 first place votes. Right. There, this was a year where it was debatable. You could have made a case for, we, you just made it for Allen, and I think that's solid. You could have made it for Jackson. I think you could have made a case for Prescott, Purdy, or Christian McCaffrey to be the MVP. How come the voting didn't represent that? Why, why, why is it so in tune that everybody is going, nope, it's Lamar? Because they, did they all know it was going to be Lamar and they just didn't want to step out of line? And it, what, why is that? Is it, are the betting odds contributing to that? Jeremy makes this point a lot about how the MVP has somehow become like a rolling standings because every week sports mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. radio and TV is the, what's the MVP race look like? Well, you have these odds. It almost feels like standings. And I wonder if voters look at that and think about that as the year goes on. And then by the time you get to the end of the year, it feels like, well, Jackson's on top. So he's the winner. That's it. I don't have to think about this anymore. Like he's just going to win it. So I'm not going to make, you know, a name for myself and being the one guy that doesn't vote for him. He won it. He basically already won it. But I don't I don't like that or appreciate that if that's the way that it's gone about because again, I would want to ignore all that. I would want to sit down. I would want to critically think about, you know, what these players have done, the statistics, watch what I've seen from them as the season's gone on. If, if you're someone that likes to contribute, you know, what they did in a primetime game more than others or the, just the record in general, wins and losses, whatever. But I don't think it, there was any way it should have been that obvious or that one-sided that no Lamar Jackson 49 out of 50 votes it's not like he threw for he not he didn't have one of these historic 50 touchdown or thousand yard rushing seasons that deserved I think that much of a victory again I don't mind that Lamar won it not saying you do I know I get it yeah it should it should probably been that much of a landslide I have far more of an issue with Josh Allen being fifth than not being first stunning to me stunning I, I no way I thought that I thought he'd be like third, maybe, right? Like, ah, maybe Dak or Brock Purdy, I guess McCaffrey. I thought McCaffrey and Purdy would kind of split some votes, so maybe Dak would be second, Allen be third, but Allen would probably be second. I want to give a, a lot of credit here to Aaron Schatz mm-hmm. for, for two reasons basically baked into one. As you know, Joe, Aaron Schatz was the only voter out of 50 mm-hmm. who voted for Josh Allen number one, right? He was the only person to yep. put him atop his ballot. Yep. This is the same Aaron Schatz, and the reason I'm giving him credit, this is the same Aaron Schatz who his publication wrote Josh Allen is a parody of an NFL quarterback prospect when he came out of college. And yet here he is voting for him for MVP. I respect that a lot. Yeah. Um, Was that, just want to make sure, was it Football Outsiders that said that back in the day, or was it PFF that he was a parody of a prospect? You might be football right. Football Outsiders. It was Football Outsiders? Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure. Because um, I had that in my head that it was PFF, so I'm glad I know that now, not to make that mistake. Um, and you're right, I just looked it up. It is. It was them. He also, I know he wasn't the individual that said that, parody of a prospect, but he. I remember right, having him. It was him, his publication, though. It was his publication, but also I remember having um, Aaron Schatz on with Show Up and the Bulldog or the Morning Guys, 
you know, in the first couple years of Allen's career, and he was very much, you know, he might not have said parody of a prospect, but I'm, he sounded like he agreed with it. He he was very much thinking this guy's not going to be good at all. No way. You can't teach accuracy like that. And he definitely, in the last three, four years, like he, he calls it like he sees it when, when things have been proven or proven wrong. Like, oh, no, the Bills are amazing, and he's incredible. He's a superstar. I, I don't just because of what I thought of him in 2018 doesn't mean he's not great. Um, and he looks at things very statistically. And I want to give him, you know, a lot of, um, not a lot of credit too in the way he goes about analyzing these things. I would want to trust that. I feel like an Aaron Schatz, you know. I don't know how many guys like that that are, you know, analytically inclined or are looking at a lot of the data stuff are of the 50 voters. It's not most of them, right? Like I, I saw the list like Teddy Bruschi and Tom Brady now apparently by the way is voting for this for these. Um you have a lot of former players in the media, you have a lot of writers that have been going at it this for a very long time. You know, shots is a little bit different in that way. And I don't want to say that means that his opinion means more. It's just I maybe that's a an example of we should get some different types of voters mm-hmm. in here. Not everybody should just be former player or a guy that's been covering the league writing about it for 40 years. You know, like and, and I'm not saying that's the entire thing anyway cuz Mina Kimes was one that was in there and she's only had a vote I know for a couple of years, but I don't know. I I like a lot of the data stuff, a lot of the number stuff and I don't really think I'm that surprised that not only did Shots have Allen number one, Sal, but he had Lamar Jackson number three. He didn't even have him second. Yeah. You say about a couple things here. Interesting that you bring up, like, the different voters. It is the AP vote, but it's not all AP voters. No, right. Yeah. Right? Aaron Schatz isn't in the AP, I believe. Right. Nope. Um, Mina Kimes isn't. She works nope. for ESPN. Brady, so Brady it is interesting. Isn't. Right. Right. Fox. So... <laughs> Right. Wait, so Brady has a I didn't realize this. Brady has a vote? Brady has a vote because he yeah, officially that, he works for Fox now. So he is Yeah, like yeah, I, that's I right. have I had the whole list in front of me and actually oh. I didn't realize this, but of the list I'm looking at and Josh um oh I always forget. Is Josh Dubow, right? From the AP. Um he put the list down of all the voters and there's not one person that's just like d- directly works for the AP. Like, it's all, there's PFF, hmm. Sam Monson's on this list, SiriusXM, uh, Fox Sports has a bunch, including Brady, Dan Orlovsky, there's a bunch of ESPN people in here. Like, there's there, nobody... Can I ask a question? Is yeah. there somebody tied to Buffalo? Is Because John Warrow's the AP person here. Yeah. Who covers I, the Bills. And then, but I was told maybe Vic might have had a vote. I'm not sure, and I don't know this, I should have asked these guys. Like, is there anybody who kind of is on the Bills beat? Uh, Vic Carucci. Vic is on it. Okay. Yes. Vic is the, the person who... You know, votes to represent this this team, this yes. area. I guess. You yes. know what I mean? Yep. Interesting. There are. Do you know how many voters there are total? You see it right there. Right? I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fifty. Yeah. Okay. All right, fifty. Did you see my tweet today about how it's different in the NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball? You don't have to look right now. I want to ask you. I missed it. No. Okay. All right. Something I found very interesting, Joe. And by the way. That's Joe. I'm Sal. This is the Extra Point Show, <laughs> and we're going to have Doran Dickerson at the bottom of the hour. We're fired up today, so we just got so. right into it. Doran Dickerson, uh, former Bills player, 
works out in Pittsburgh, the fan in Pittsburgh, hosts the morning show there. We're going to talk with him about you know everything football going on right now. The Steelers, obviously, hiring and bringing in Arthur Smith, but also the voting last night. T.J. Watt does not win you know, Defensive Player of the Year. So Doran's going to join us at the bottom of the hour here today from our Odyssey sister station in Pittsburgh. So, Joe, I found it interesting that the NFL has, like the NHL and NBA, they all do, all three sports, go five deep for your voting. You vote for five people in the MVP. Okay, but the NFL is the only one that uses their point system. The NHL and NBA use a different point system. The NFL point system is 10 for a first place vote, then five, three, two, one. I mean, it's a massive difference. It's a double up difference between first and second. Ten, then five, three, two, one. NBA and NHL, 10, seven, five, three, one. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah. That's now that's different. I actually did the calculations and will tell you it would not have changed anything about last night's vote for the top five. I was just going to ask that. I I have it here. The only thing that would have changed was I think McCaffrey was maybe a point or two closer to Dak. Mm -hmm. Allen actually would have fallen back even a little bit further than he did from Brock, I believe, because what's crazy is how many people left Allen off the ballot. I just think that's just absurd. That's what fires me up today. Like, what what are we doing? Come on. And leaving him off the ballot completely like. What there's got to be an agenda there. There, there also. I would really want to know, and we don't have to move away from MVP entirely here, but I, I want to tie this in to comeback player of the year a little bit. Yeah. In that, mm-hmm. so there were, there were thirteen people, voters of the fifty, that voted Joe Flacco as the first place comeback player of the year winner out of fifty. Thirteen. And only one, Aaron Schatz, voted for Allen as the MVP. Okay, so you can even take Aaron out whether or not you want to do that. 12 or 13. There were 12 or 13 voters that said Joe Flacco is the comeback player of the year, but Josh Allen is not the MVP, leading the league in touchdowns, leading the league in all this other stuff. Allen, and again, I would want to ask them, did you leave Allen, did you not put Allen number one, or did you lower him because of turnovers? Because... That's my guess at what a lot of people did. Why are we holding that against Allen? We're not holding that against Joe Flacco. Because Flacco just won comeback player of the year. It was a great story. It was a, I, I, I'm outraged almost that it was him over Hamlin. But whatever. Flacco won. He had a great story. Great couple games. The Browns were really good when he was the quarterback for five games. Uh, he threw eight interceptions in five games. That's a 27 interception pace over the course of an entire season. My my question to the 12 or 13 that did that with Flacco and not with Allen would be how come you thought that you ignored the turnovers with Flacco but not with Josh Allen? Because I think if you yeah, ignore the right. turnovers, you you your only avenue is Allen is the MVP. I think 100%. I mean, listen, you can't ignore turnovers though, right? I don't I don't this is the this is the not argument not, I had right, with Meyer Metcalf on ESPN a few weeks ago. You can't ignore them. But I think what's happened here is you make a great point, Joe, of the whole point about turnovers. You, they have to be put in context, and we're living in more a lot of a dinosaur world here where what I, what I mean by that is there are people who look at quarterback play in that prism too much now. The game has changed so much. And as I tried to explain to them on ESPN Radio a few weeks ago, the interview I've referenced when I was on with them, they kept saying, you can't ignore turnovers. And I'm like, I'm not ignoring turnovers interceptions. They kept saying, you can't ignore interceptions. And then this was Myron Metcalf and, and um, Matt Miller. And I said, um, Matt, Matt Jones, excuse me. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm not ignoring them. 
But you have to be put them into context and nuance versus what they used to mean or do be compared to what these guys can do outside of that. You have to you live with them because all of the great things they do that add up to the team's successes far and outweigh what the interceptions have meant against their team. Now, that doesn't have to be the case for everyone. Some guys throw a lot of interceptions and it just kills their team, right? I mean, Zach Wilson, I, what's his interception right? Okay, we maybe mm-hmm. throw his interception. I don't know the exact one, but... Yeah, okay, he, he turns the ball over too much, doesn't do enough. You can't say that about Josh Allen. Yes, he has a higher interception rate than you'd like, a higher turnover rate than you'd like. But you have to understand the context of what he's doing outside of that. It is not ignoring them. It is putting it in its proper context and place, and I think we lose a lot of that in these things. I also wonder, and this is not something that I would care about and also hasn't been true of him in the past, but I wonder... If any element of this, too, with the voters was every time Allen was out in front of everybody in like a primetime game, mm. it wasn't really his best game. Like, in terms Which of. Which is a departure from the previous few oh, years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had been incredible right before that. And even like he wasn't horrible this year if you look at the totality of it. But let's look at the games where everybody is watching. We know everybody is watching. You started with the Jet game. And that's a pretty bad first impression uh, for an MVP case. Three interceptions right off the bat. Then you had the Jaguar-London game. He put up numbers, but it wasn't a great game for the Bills in general, so you're not thinking highly of him then. Then you had the Giant game, where they only scored 14 points, and that wasn't his best game by any means. Uh, Tampa. Tampa would be the one that he did really well, right? Like, first half, they were unbelievable. He put up over 300 yards. Super good against Tampa. So that's one where he was really impressive. And then I keep going, and maybe I get to... It was a 4 o'clock window game. Dallas, you know, most people in the country had that game. Um, I guess maybe Kansas City, even before that, same thing. Most people had that game, and it was a good game, but it wasn't, like, the best Josh Allen game you've ever seen. Um, and then you had to end up with Miami. Miami was great. So, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't want to stretch this point too far, but uh, the Charger game I missed, too. Charger game wasn't great. Same thing. 15 completions. Of the whole year, they just set the record for the most primetime games a team's ever had. And I don't know. Was he great in, like, two of them? And I wonder how much that, even if you don't think about it, subconsciously, is that affecting voters where every time it was the biggest spot for Allen this year, he wasn't like that dominant? There was one other issue I had with this voting. There was a tie for Coach of the Year in points. But Kevin Stefanski got it because the tiebreaker is first place votes and he had one more. Right. Can't they give co-coach of the year? These guys tied. They tied. Like, that's the system. I know, there's a tie. Why does it have to be a tiebreaker? You can have co-coach of the year. It's not a championship. You're not sharing a Lombardi. Yeah. I didn't think of this one for... Uh, I, I I could see it that way, though. Like, I don't have a problem with them. If there was going to be a tiebreaker, especially, it should definitely be first place. Because if this was the old system... Sure. Um, the old system, Stefanski would have won outright. But, yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with that. Especially the way points work. It's not like you're going to get ties all that often. It was like... Uh, I'm looking now. 160 to 160. I mean, that's probably going to be pretty rare. I guess for how rare it is, yeah, yeah, I, I would be fine just giving them both uh, coach I mean, of the wasn't year. Wasn't there they've, – mm, they've had things like that before for co-this, co-that. I don't even know exactly uh, what. MVP was um, yeah. uh, Steve McNair and Peyton Manning. 
in 2003. And then Dan Dunleavy had it earlier. We we talked with him, and he mentioned it. Uh, Favre and Barry Sanders in 97 also. If you can give co-MVP, you can give co-coach of the year. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, sure, I think they were both deserving. I probably would have voted for Ryans over Stefanski, but I totally get Stefanski. They had... Four quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Four quarterbacks start multiple games this year, which is crazy. You, you, you've got a problem with that one, and maybe we'll get to it expanded more. I, by far, for me, Hamlin not winning comeback player yeah. of the year was the thing that drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. I just totally get that. cannot believe, especially when there is a recent example that you can point to as an inconsistency here, where what was the reasoning DeMar Hamlin didn't win? I, I think... If you're trying to play that game, it's he didn't make an impact on the field, which is fair. But I don't think that should matter. It's not in the bylaws. All they talk about is perseverance. They don't say anything about what you do on the field. But okay, you don't want to give Hamlin comeback player of the year because he didn't make an impact on the field? Why the hell did you give Alex Smith comeback player of the year four years ago? And I don't have a problem with that either. I think Smith should have won it that year. I think Hamlin should have won it this year. Why Smith, though, and not Hamlin? Alex Smith almost lost his leg and a mm-hmm. sack. And if you saw the pictures of him when he was recovering, even months after, it was it was grotesque. I mean, it was a huge cast with needles poking into his leg. Like, it was really serious. And he fought his way back onto the field. He won comeback player of the year, different voting then, but he had 49 out of 50 votes. Like, it wasn't even close. It was a runaway. 49 out of 50. That year... He had six touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a 28 quarterback rating. They gave him it because of the story. They gave him that because of what he overcame off the field. And DeMar Hamlin, his heart stopped on the field. He was in a coma for days. And again, we've already set the precedent that a guy can win this because of something unbelievable he overcame off the field while not making an on-the-field impact. I don't understand why why it's different. I don't understand why Flacco won it. I, I really don't. Another uh, another sport real quick. Do you see what Major League Baseball does? I put this out there, too. Two things. We'll talk about both these. The NHL is super interesting. They have far more voters than any other sport. Yeah. And Major League Baseball goes 10 deep in their MVP voting, which is really interesting. We'll get to all that a little bit later. But first, next up, Doran Dickerson. How mad are the people in Pittsburgh that T.J. Watt did not get the Defensive Player of the Year and, oh, by the way, the guy who did was on their arch rival, the Cleveland Browns, with Miles Garrett. We'll talk with, uh, about him with that. Also, Arthur Smith gets hired out there in Pittsburgh. What's the future hold for them at the quarterback position? Will they be in the trade market, draft market? Uh, we'll talk with Doran Dickerson, former Buffalo Bill, now radio host in Pittsburgh, after this time out on WGR. Blitz coming. Allen steps up in the pocket, going to take off and run. Has the first down and more to the 40, to the 35, 30. Breaks away, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Josh Allen. Yeah, give him a flex, Josh. You just schooled them with their back turn for a huge touchdown run of 47 yards. Well, maybe that's why Doran uh, has not picked up yet. We're trying to... (laughs) Get in touch with Doran Dickerson. We'll have him on the air here, though. I'm sure uh, something's going on with him over in Pittsburgh there, but he'll join us as soon as we can. But maybe he knew that we were going to have that open, and that was Josh Allen, and beating the and scoring against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoff game. We're going to get with Doran Dickerson in a little while. He's played for the Buffalo Bills. Now he's in Pittsburgh, radio host out there at the fan. We'll talk with him. It actually gives me a chance, Joe, before we get in touch with Doran, to go into what I was going to 
what I started to before the break, which is mm-hmm. the NFL has 50 voters. The NBA has 100 voters. Major League Baseball has 30 voters. Do you know how many the NHL has? It's more than 100. 196. Holy cow, man. 196. I don't know. That's <laughs> I don't know if I love that. You get some weird things that happen there too, which I guess should be even less surprising now. 196. All right, we're going to go out to the West Hurla hotline right now. Doran Dickerson joins us. Doran, of course, used to play for the Buffalo Bills. He had a nice little NFL career, and now he's transitioned into the media, and he works over at our sister station, uh, the fan over in Pittsburgh. Doran, it is Sal and Joe. Welcome to this program. Welcome back to Buffalo on the air. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Doing pretty well today, so I just want to set this up. I want Joe to know. I don't know if Joe knows mm-hmm. what happened here, and I want all the fans to know what happened here, okay? Because I, I have to admit what to something. <clears throat> well, it's, it's good and it's bad, right? You, you'll laugh. I, I think you'll laugh. So I went on with you right before the um, Steelers-Bills game, and you had the most god-awful wing takes ever about Pittsburgh Wings being as good as Buffalo. So I had to get into you about that, and I said, you know what? In response, a towel is just a towel. And boy, did I get it from you guys and Pittsburgh fans. And it was no disrespect to Myron Cope. I said, I didn't touch it. You guys let me know about the jinx of, of saying or doing something with a towel. And I said, look, I never touched it. I have to be honest, though, Doran. I was so fearful that if the Bills lost, I would have to move out of Buffalo because people would blame me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you when I say that. Oh, well, I, you know, whenever you did utter those words, I was like, uh-oh. I was like, okay. <laughs> There's one thing talking about for many sandwiches and and fries being on sandwich and coleslaw, but you talk about the towel. That is a huge jinx. And now I'm glad to hear that you're still in Buffalo, Sal. I'm proud okay. of you. You got through this. <laughs> so I think that you could get through anything in life that you got through this and talking about the terrible towel. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. How are you guys getting through TJ Watt not winning uh, Defensive Player of the Year and Miles Garrett from your arch rival Cleveland Browns taking the, taking it? Well, I mean, people are upset, and rightfully so. T.J. Watt didn't even show up to the event last night. Uh, he played hooky because he knew that Miles Garrett was going to get the award. And, and look, at the end of the day, awards are awards. And T.J. Watt, you know, he just wants to go out there and play football. But, you know, the stats and the, and the facts, you know, it, it just shows that T.J. Watt had a better year than Miles Garrett. And whenever usually you have a better statistical year than a player, you probably should be regarded as a better player than that player. So, People are upset here, um, and rightfully so. That's nothing to take away from Miles Garrett, though. I will say that Miles Garrett is a phenomenal football player. Uh, you know, he moves around. He, he he's what six foot six, two hundred and ninety pounds. I mean, he's a freak of nature. So hard to block. But if you look at the paper, and you have the two names next to each other, T.J. Watt, in basically every statistical category, was better than Miles Garrett this year, and he that should warrant an award, and it didn't. And people are upset, rightfully so. But people are also happy that. Cam Hayward got the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So, you know, you, you lost out on one, but you gained uh, one at the same time. But people are definitely very upset here in Pittsburgh. That, uh, And I think it's more that they're upset that they, of who he lost to. And I, I think that that's yes. more what's irking people here mm-hmm. is that it's Miles Garrett from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and before we get into the Steelers themselves, just want, uh, on the awards last night, we're upset. Fans are here. Not that Josh Allen didn't win MVP. A lot of people felt that. I was fine with Lamar. I think he was very deserving of it. Would have been fine with Josh. How do you get? How do you make Josh Allen the fifth in the voting, though, Doran? I just think that's an embarrassment and ridiculous. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Josh Allen is a freak of nature. If there's one quarterback, honestly, if I could go back, 
10 years and play for and play with, it'd be Josh Allen. Uh, you know, I feel like go. his teammates love him. Uh, you know, just a big body. is a, He's a gamer, too. Like, it's just ridiculous he's fifth in voting. And, you know, what he went through this year, how does that not be taken into effect of going through two offensive coordinators and having the year and figuring it out throughout the year to get your team into the playoffs? And then you obviously run into the buzzsaw of Patrick Mahomes. So like, that, that's, that happens to almost everybody. But how can you not take into effect or, or the fact that they went through a change in offense and philosophy and a different coach halfway through the year and figured it out. And that was all on Josh Allen's shoulders. I mean, Stephon Diggs was basically, uh, you know, incoherent uh, with receiving yards and catches uh, throughout the latter half of the season. So Josh Allen really put the team on his shoulders. Uh, he is a fantastic football player. I love, love watching the play. Just to round out the awards, what did you make of DeMar Hamlin not winning comeback player of the year and going to Flacco? Uh, you know, I'm going to be biased a little bit on this because I'm a pit guy as well. But I mean, the guy. I mean, we all witnessed what happened to him uh, during that football game against Cincinnati, and we witnessed him uh, die on the field, and we also witnessed him strap the helmet back up and go out there, and in his mind, knowing that he is going back to a place where he died. Like, I mean, that's just the case. So, whenever you say comeback player of the year. I don't, I don't, uh, Joe Flacco, I, I get that. I get it. I definitely do. Joe Flacco, that he had a great season and he, he's obviously, uh, was, is old and, and went out there and played very well. But when you say comeback player of the year and you have a player for the first time really ever uh, in a situation like that die basically on the field and come back and play this year, I don't care what level he played, I don't care how many games he put the jersey back on, he put the shoulder pads back on. To me, that warrants comeback player of the year. Yeah, there's not a like true definition of it, and I think people interpret it. Unfortunately, it's become, in a lot of ways, like this year I think it was at least, a kind of a performance-based because what we get is, well, DeMar hardly played. The point is he played. <laughs> That's the right, point. Exactly. He played, right? It <laughs> doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, I know, and he went to Pitt, obviously, um, uh, and, and you have that connection with him as well there, but we're all glad to see him playing, and awards or not, you know, he's done so much after that, and, you know, he's, he's said that. He goes, whether I win awards or not, you know, what he's doing in his legacy obviously means so much. Doran Dickerson on the Western Hotline. All right, let's get into the Steelers. What's been the reaction to Arthur Smith being hired as the new offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh? It's been pretty neutral, 50-50. Uh, you know, people know that he likes to run the football, and, you know, that's the foundation of the Steelers with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And, you know, I think Steeler fans and Steeler supporters, they, they wanted a, an offensive coordinator that could come in and develop the quarterback position. And I think that people are making the connection that Arthur Smith isn't that type of guy. But if you look back at whenever he's offensive coordinator in uh, Tennessee with Tannehill and making it to an AFC championship game, Derrick Henry, the things that he did, I think people will be able to get over uh, some of the things that they wanted to check their own boxes with. And I think Arthur Smith, in my opinion, uh, he's going to be fueled to, to really go out there and make this work. You know, and, and anybody who is in the coaching profession or in the you know, profession of anything, whenever you get fired, it is embarrassing. And then it's like, okay, now I'm back to my foundation. I'm back to my roots. Let me go out here and give it my all. Like, let me figure this out, and I'm going to make, make the wrongs right that uh, happened to me in Atlanta. So I think Arthur Smith is going to be coming in here with a, a boatload of confidence and a boatload of energy and, and just wanting to come in here and make this right. And I, I like the move. I played uh, underneath him whenever he was assistant tight end coach in, uh, in Tennessee. So I know him very well, and I just know that he is a, a high competitor, and he'll evolve his offense. People may think that he is a, a run-first, play-action type uh, offensive coordinator, but Arthur Smith is smart. 
Uh, he's an X's and O's guy. He's a football coach. He loves ball. Uh, he will evolve the offense to fit what personnel is the best for the Steelers, and I think the Steelers fans should be somewhat excited about that as we uh, get this season kicked off soon. So who's his quarterback, though? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett's going to get the ball, and hmm. he's going to probably have a competition. I don't know who that's going to be to back up. I don't know who that competition's going to be. I know they like Mason Rudolph. They like what he did at the end of the season last year, but um, if they can figure out a deal with him, then it'll be Mason Rudolph that will compete with Kenny. But Kenny Pickett, they're going to roll the ball out there, and it's going to be Kenny Pickett's ball to start and basically his mm-hmm. job to lose. And personally, and knowing Kenny Pickett as well, um, I, I think that Kenny Pickett plays his best brand of ball whenever his back's against the wall. So I really hope that this is this third year of Kenny Pickett's career he can figure something out and Arthur Smith can figure something out, and that whole offense can figure it out how to uh, be successful. But I would assume that when we start training camp, I would assume that it's going to be Kenny Pickett. Oh, man, Kenny Pickett, I'm going to say a draft pick. That's, that's my prediction. I think they draft a quarterback in probably the mid-rounds. I'm going to say Spencer okay. Rattler or maybe a Bo Nix. Okay, that, that leads me away from what I was going to ask you then, I guess, because I there's no logic behind this, you know, for why I'm saying this. Although I guess you could try to make the case. For some reason, though, I can just see Kirk Cousins in a Steelers uniform. But you're thinking no. I, I just don't think they're willing to pay that much money for him. Yeah, I don't think that they're willing. I I I wouldn't mind that. I think that Kirk Cousins, you know, he can bring a lot to the table. Now, can he lead you to a Super Bowl? I I don't know. But uh, if he is, if his price tag was. Uh, in the nature and in the realm of what the Steelers could afford, I would say absolutely. But I think he's just going to price himself out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, and when when have we known Kirk Cousins to sign a contract and everybody right. goes, oh, that was pretty cheap for Kirk Cousins. Right. Uh, right. He's, he's made so much money uh, throughout his years in the league, it's crazy. Yeah, so in terms of then like what has to happen for Pickett, I guess you know, like what level of step do you think he needs to kind of solidify himself even for the long term? There in Pittsburgh, he he takes care of the ball. I know really well, but is there like a certain element of his game that is kind of you know been gone over a lot that he just needs to improve on if he's going to continue to be their quarterback? I really think it's confidence, honestly, and I, I think that there were times where he was handcuffed to what the offensive coordinator wanted, Matt, wanted in Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin at times. Like, hey, you know, you go in on on Wednesday, you get the game plan. And they're like, protect the football. Don't don't take any risks. We want to get into this game, and we want to control the football game, play conservative, and we don't want to put ourselves in any bad situations. I really do believe that he was told that uh, most of the time whenever he was a starting quarterback last year. So I think this year he needs to just play free and play confident and, and trust his abilities and really play the way he played in the preseason. I know preseason isn't really anything. You're not getting any, uh, you know, nobody's game planning on you and you're getting backups, but he just seemed like he was loose, he was relaxed, and he was just playing the game of football. I think his confidence needs to be reestablished here in Pittsburgh. That starts with Mike Tomlin, and that also starts with uh, Arthur Smith and believing he could be the guy and putting him in the best situations possible and making things make sense for him. There's times that last year I don't think Matt Canada and his offense made sense. They would just run things just to run them, and there was no rhyme or reason. Once he knows an offense, his confidence in it, I think his confidence will go through the roof. So, Hopefully he can find that at some point uh, in OTAs and roll that and get better and develop into training camp and hit the season running. 
We know there's been a lot of speculation about Mike Tomlin's future at the end of the season. He walked out of the press conference, and then he explained a little bit later about that. I know on your station, Mike Florio was on late December, said they're going to operate and plan on giving him an extension. Where does all that stand? Did they do that? Are they planning on doing that? What about his future? Well, I, I, they haven't announced anything, but I, I, I 100% assume that they're going to plan on doing that. I don't know how many years. I don't anticipate it being just a one-year extension, but I think in order to hire an offensive coordinator and hire a new right. receivers coach and hire a quarterback coach, um, I think that the, probably the main question is, is Mike Tomlin going to be around or am I on like a one-year type deal and Mike Tomlin's going to be gone? So I think that's probably been in-house and they know what the term is and they know what the extension is, but that 100% get done. Don't know when it's going to be announced, but everything is telling me that uh, it'll be probably a multi-year uh, extension for Mike Tomlin. And I know Art II really believes in him. And if he said even, you know, quote, quoting his words, if I didn't believe in him, you know, I would have made changes. So, uh, you know, he's going to be here. I believe in him. And I, fi- I think that he could figure things out here as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. So that extension will definitely be, um, it'll be, I don't know, not announced, but it'll be uh, a point at some point uh, coming soon. What do you like on Sunday? Who do you like on Sunday? Uh, how could I mean? It's 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 literally you're going against Michael Jordan. Uh, you could put the best offense out in the field. You can have uh, the best coaching trees if you're Kyle Shanahan and all these coaches, and that's the trend right in the NFL. Oh, what's the coaching trees at McVay's and Shanahan? Let's hire that guy. You can have all that great stuff, but and have a great offense and and have a great running back and have a great tight end and, and get the most out of a seventh round quarterback, but. If you're going against Michael Jordan, it's like, you know, the Lakers back in the day or the Pistons or the Celtics or the Jazz, putting all those great teams together. But you know who you got to go against at some point to get to where you want to get to, and that's Michael Jordan. Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. And he's figured it out this year. He's done it with receivers dropping the football. And, uh, you know, he's just amazing to watch. So how can you bet against the Kansas City Chiefs? I got the Kansas City Chiefs winning. Yeah. Look, I I agree with you 100% on everything you said, but I also think – Brady did lose a few of these. That is true. That is true. Um, he he did, but it still was the uh, – uh, do the 49ers have enough? And right. do they have enough to go in there? And it's going to be four quarters, right? And I know those are cliche mm-hmm. football words, but, you know, you can't mess up. It has to be a perfect game. It has to be yeah. a perfect game if you're the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I'm talking about you can't turn the ball over not one time because – their defense is good as well. They can run the football. They can beat you in multiple ways. But if you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes and he's down two points with one minute to go, I mean, it's lights yeah. out. So they have to do everything perfect to win this football game. And if you give any ounce to Patrick Mahomes, he's going to beat you. Joe, before we let Doran go, mm-hmm. Doran played three seasons in the NFL. He was with the Texans, the Bills, and the Lions. And one of the best stats about him for me is – he wore three completely different types of numbers, all right? Now, Doran, would you, he was, Doran was the Taysom Hill of back in the day, but he didn't play quarterback. He was a fullback, tight end, wide receiver guy. Joe, do you want to guess the three numbers he wore in his NFL career? Uh, I definitely remember him wearing 42 with the Bills. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, I don't know that I'm going to have a good guess for the other two. Um, something in the 80s? Yeah, one is a. You're getting warmer. That that was a number he wore in uh, in Detroit in the eighties. Eighty two. I'll just go with eighty two because it's full. Yes. All right. I figure we we keep the last digit at the very least, and then then the other one is more of a common wide receiver number these days. Oh, so it's going to be in the in the teens. Mm -hmm. Like four, like twelve. 
Mm, there's a there's nope. a player on the 49ers. There's Ooh. a player on the 49ers. I like it. D- Debo, 19? Yes, sir. 19. I <laughs> I definitely knew 42, especially because I'll I'll age you, I'm sure here, Doran, but uh, playing Madden as a kid, you were like a 92 speed rating tight end in the game, which was like unheard of. So it was very easy to use you in Madden back in the day. Yeah, I, I was a 92 and I was a 40 everywhere else. <laughs> I love it. He wore 19, 42, 82. What was it? I... What is it like, like from like a position group, like kind of thing? Like you, you one year you're one group, next year you're another group, next year you're another. Like that's got to be a little bit tough on a guy who's trying to develop a career a little bit. And you're not just a special teams guy. I mean, you actually played a little bit of offense to do these things. Well, uh, I mean, that's how my career was in college. I mean, I played linebacker, running back, tight yeah. end, wide receiver wow. in college. But it, it, I used it as you know, just knowledge and learning the wide receiver concepts and learning the tight yeah. end blocks and protection and concepts. As fullback, you know, the protections and lead blocking. So at the end of the day, I knew what everybody was doing. And it, and offense made sense to me. And then playing defense in, in college, playing linebacker, I knew everybody's dropping. I knew how a blitz and rotation would look. So I always used myself playing multiple positions as learning the game of football. And I think that that did help me play uh, multiple, multiple years in the NFL and play uh, you know, and, and be an All-American in college. So I always use that as a, as a positive thing than a negative thing. I love that. Did you ever think of going into coaching? That would have really helped you as a coach, too. No, no doubt. I mean, my, my uncle was uh, one of the first uh, black head coaches in college football, Ron Dickerson. He coached for Penn State, coached for Pitt, and coached all over the place. So uh, coaching is in my blood. My dad was a high school coach for 30 years, and I have thought about it. I've thought about it more nowadays than ever, so we'll see. Wow, that's a really good nugget. I never knew that about your uncle. That's really cool. Doran, you're always welcome here on WGR in Buffalo. Uh, love talking to you, my man. Enjoy uh, this weekend, and uh, keep everything going over there at our Odyssey sister station, The Fan in Pittsburgh. Thanks a lot today. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and I love Buffalo, so I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, Doran Dickerson. Thanks a lot, Doran. Be good. Thanks. All right, Doran Dickerson there on the Western Hotline. That's a pretty cool nugget. His dad uh was a head coach in college i'm sorry his uncle was a head coach in college he said he played linebacker and running back in college linebacker <laughs> and running back and when you go to his you can never you really pin down his position because if you go to like right. his official nfl profile from his career he's listed as a wide receiver uh yeah. i remember him as a tight end with the bills again that's where i used to use him in madden because he was so fast and I thought I saw one other position that was listed. No, pro, pro football reference was the other one, but they also have him listed as receiver. So he had speed. He ran a four four forty. Yeah, Joe. There can't be many guys who I just went to his college reference page. Doran Dickerson, our last guest. There can't be many guys in the history of college football who have seven hundred yards receiving, have rushing attempts, wait, have fifteen tackles, and oh by the way, he also returned ten kicks. <laughs> I mean, like, that's pretty cool. Anyway, Doran Dickerson, we thank him for joining us. We'll come back. Let's, uh, I want to get into a little bit later the, the little bit of the discussion we had about UPL yesterday. I wanted to take that a little bit further and what the Sabres might do going forward. They do have a game tomorrow at home, afternoon against the St. Louis Blues, but also York phone calls and what you think about the NFL awards last night and the honors show and how all of that went here on the Extra Point Show. Oh, my God. Well, here we go. Now we got... Did you see this thing with Stephen A. Smith? I did, yeah. Just Oh, my God. So what? So bad. 
And I don't, I don't rail on Stephen A. Actually, he's kind of warmed on me over the last several years. You know, I used to yeah. not be much of a fan. I actually, I enjoy some of his stuff. Now, I don't agree with him all the time. You know, he'd be a little hot takey, but I, I think he's interesting now. And But he called out whoever voted for Josh Allen, number one, must be a homer. Yeah. Dude, the guy who voted him number one, his publication called him a parody of an NFL quarterback prospect on a complete, unnecessary, cheap shot when he was coming out of college. I give Aaron Schatz mad respect for voting him number one after that. And also, like, these things are so easily looked up. Like, you could find out in two... Whoever it was. He he doesn't have to do the work. I mean, he's Stephen A. Smith. He's, like, the second highest paid employee at ESPN. Go ask uh, one of your runners or one of your assistants or who a producer... Hey, do you have who voted for Josh Allen? You have the answer in 10 seconds, probably. I mean, this is, you don't have to guess at it. So I, yeah, I, I, right, I respect, I would even say respect, like, what the role he's carved out for himself at ESPN from where he used to be, where he actually got kicked off that network, like, a long time ago. But just do, just do a little bit of the information, just a little bit. Don't talk out of your, you know what. Would be my my take to him. What are the Sabres going to do over the next uh, little while? Some interesting decisions on the horizon. And, of course, our Super Bowl picks here. I mean, we don't have to give them, but we'll probably give them here before we leave you on a Friday. We'll take a timeout here. We'll come back. Another hour left on the Extra Point Show on a Friday on WGR. You're listening to the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. That one vote against Lamaxon, that jeopardizes why sports writers, people talk about how sports writers yeah. shouldn't be voting. Yeah. That was a stupid not homer right. vote by that individual, probably scared to go back in the locker room if he had voted against 100%. Josh Allen. That compromises everything. You have to be objective when you have a vote. And that writer, that writer was, I don't know who the hell it was, but that's an embarrassment. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know who the hell it was. He says it. <laughs> Just, that's all you needed. You know what? Aaron's there. He was on the show. He was on um, with Show Up with the Bulldog the other day. Aaron should just walk up to Stephen A. Smith today and go, Stephen, me, it, me, right here. I yeah. am the guy. I'm the guy. What are you doing? Why are you voting? Well, here's why. Here's my reasoning. You're a homer. No, here's my reasoning. Uh, I'm going to have to. Mm. So I, 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 quote, I quote tweeted that. And of course, somebody said, "Well, that's you know his goal is to get people to react." And that's true. That's what we do in this business. And I get it, like Stephen A. And but I, I think he's speaking truthfully what he believes. But here's one from Henry. Says the issue is the guy who gave him the vote. Joe, you're going to like this one. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to put this one out there. The issue is the guy who gave him the vote works for fantasy football. Josh is clear MVP in fantasy, just not in real football. Who said this? This is a tweet from Henry to me. Uh, no, that's not that's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, no. he might have been. Did he finish his quarterback one again in fantasy? He let me double check. He did, but if you look at like I don't know, like value upon where you pick guys in fantasy, he wasn't number one. If that makes sense. He was the highest scorer, but where you had to pick him, he wasn't the most valuable. The most valuable would have been a guy like Puka Nakua that you got at the end and then was the number two receiver. So, I don't know. Yeah, he puts a fantasy What did you think of the actual show last night? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't actually watch a ton of it. Oh, you Uh, didn't? I only got the bits and pieces I saw on social media. (laughs) 
Um, last night was an early bedtime for me. So, but what I did see was Kirk Cousins and um, oh, who was with him? Cam Jordan uh, doing the Magic Mike dance routine, which was pretty funny. I yes, that. that was great. That was great. This is like me saying, like I told you last week, I didn't watch a single second of the Pro Bowl. The flag football game, yeah. none of that stuff. But I actually watched the entire award ceremony. I like award ceremonies. Watched the Grammys the other night. I like this. I love the monologues. Yeah. Some of the jokes uh, were funny. Some were a bit, eh, but some were funny. You know, Keegan Michael Key the, was the host, right? Yeah. Again? Uh huh. Yeah, he's good. I would bet those. Yeah. The good. um the in memoriam, you know, is always interesting to know. Like, wow, I don't believe that 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 person passed away. Some some young people, some people that um. You know, tied to the Bills over the years as well. Uh, Kadish, I think. Mike Kadish, I think, was the name. There mm-hmm. was a Buffalo Bill in there that we saw. It was a good award ceremony. And they had um, they had a, a – I'm sorry, her name escapes me – a woman from CBS News who presented one of the awards. And I thought it was cool. She came out and she goes, listen, I've been involved in a lot of things like this. This is a really well-produced show. Like, like she was, like, speaking, like, I wasn't told to say this. I'm just telling you. I've been a part of this. So I think the NFL does it right. They've gotten it right. And I it, it made me think a little bit of – Back in the day, Joe, like we would just get these this news filtering out. Hey, this guy won MVP. Hey, this guy won whatever. Now they've made this huge awards show with it, and it's a big deal. And the NFL's just kind of figured all that out and how to do it right. Were you surprised at all that Josh Allen wasn't there? I was a bit surprised. And then I realized he must have been told he's not winning MVP. I mean, mm-hmm. that would have to be, right? He was told. Yeah. And then I thought, well... It's still like, shouldn't he be there? He's kind of a finalist, but you know what? It's maybe him just going, hey, look, what, what does it do for me? I don't, I'm, go- he was playing trivia with the Barstool guys. Right. Yeah. Or he was on, uh, he had that, he was walking around Radio Row with that, uh, he had that big subway, like, bank container that had, like, foot-long chocolate chip cookies in the inside, so. Also, Right, if you know he he uh I mean he proved this right by not going to the Pro Bowl for a couple of years. I don't I don't criticize him for it, I don't care. But yeah, I think you you know Josh enough at this point to know that uh he'd he'd rather, you know, he'd rather go to Pebble Beach, maybe he'd rather go to the strip for a night rather than go to the honors and like, I don't know, do some do some league event that he's not really benefiting from in the first place. Josh Allen, fifth in the NFL MVP voting last night. DeMar Hamlin, second in the comeback player of the year. By the way, DeMar had far more first place votes. You see that? He had eight, more, fir- he had eight more first place votes, but yeah. he got left off eight people's ballots, I think, in general, which cost him. Wild. I don't get it. I, it's especially, man, last year at the end, the whole league rallied around and supported him. And the players, too. Like, I can't believe the players uh, in their voting, because they had their own Comeback Player of the Year award, and they voted for Tua. Like, what What happened in a year? Did, did everybody just not know what he was as a player? Was everybody expecting him to come out and be Ed Reed and win Comeback Player of the Year? Like, he, before... I mean, I guess his role did go down. He started 13 games the year before, and this year he did not really play much at all, but... I just think if you were expecting DeMar Hamlin to come out and make some giant impact on the field, you didn't really know what DeMar Hamlin was as a player. That's right. And again, one of the issues with comeback player is there is no clear, like, it's such a different interpretation. It's actually, Joe, it's the same thing with MVP, right? I don't like, I think we've had this discussion, and I think you and I are on the same page, which is mm-hmm. MVP, to me, I don't like that it's most valuable to his team or whatever sport. 
it should be the MOP, right? To me, I would vote for MVP just based on who had the best year. Who's the best player in the league that year? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you got to be valuable to your team. Like it's hard if I have a if it's close to me, and you know, there's a guy who was just incredible and his team didn't make the playoffs. Another guy who was and his team did. I'd probably lean to the guy who's did because he was more valuable to them. But to me, the MVP should be just the guy with the best year, man. Like that's the MVP of the league. Yeah. The the guy, by the way, what it does say in the description of comeback player of the year, you don't have to get too technical, I guess, with this. It's why Flacco mm-hmm. won. But it does say uh, overcoming either not being in the NFL the previous year, severe injury, or simply poor performance. What does Flacco qualify under there? I guess simply poor yeah. performance? I mean, he was in the league as a backup, um, which I guess, you know, that usually qualifies here as well. It's just... The dude's heart stopped on the field. Come on, what are we do? What are we doing? Maybe they'll name the award after him. I, I keep seeing that take out there. Maybe they, maybe they'll do that. And the guy who won it actually said a few weeks ago that Demar deserved it. I yeah, I th- that's actually a question I was going to ask you. One, does that would that change anything? Had Flacco said that before they voted, would people have changed their minds? I think it might have. I think it might have. Yeah. And two, if, if Flacco had said that before the end of the regular season. And before the voting had been finalized, yeah. I, yeah. I think it could have swayed a few voters, yes. I think so, too. And also, if they re-voted for MVP today, who would win? Ooh, good question. I think, well, Mahomes would be way higher. He would definitely be way in higher. the top five, I would think. Uh-huh. He would get votes. It might even be tougher to answer that question now because you have, like, Mahomes is the guy standing here at the end, but he didn't have his standard of season. He didn't have the numbers compared to maybe Allen would be more likely, despite the fact that he, you know, didn't make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Let's get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Let's go to Tim in Charlotte. Hi, Tim. You're on the Extra Point Show. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just Mm -hmm. hopping on, so I don't know if you guys have already talked about it up until this point, but I just want to make two points and then go ahead and hang up on me because I want to listen to your takes. But the first one is with DeMar Hamlin. How NFL is it to just completely milk a storyline for the better half of a calendar year and then completely just throw him to the wayside for a dude off the couch? That's the first point that I want to make. The second one is about Josh Allen. I I don't know what I'm – maybe I'm – crazy i'm sure you guys have talked about it all morning but how is this guy throwing for more touchdowns than the dude who won mvp five more to be exact and then also running for more touchdowns setting a record by the way than the offense running for more touchdowns than the offensive player of the year like am i just crazy and then and then of course finishing fifth i I don't know those are just the two points that i want to make feel free if you want to ask me anything cut me off that's fine. I just, no, no, no. I, I'm going I'm to put you on hold so you can hear us, and then you know we'll okay. revisit. But one thing, Tim, that you just brought up. Joe, this is also something I thought of a lot about. Where was Josh Allen on Offensive Player of the Year voting in any respect? Nowhere. Don't they... Okay, wait, wait. The, he did yeah, finish sixth. I'm sorry. I'm looking sixth now. He was sixth. Okay. I was thinking that quarterbacks usually never get that voted for, but I don't know how that works. But McCaffrey won it, yeah, and was still in the MVP race and finished third. Oh, yeah. Tyreek Hill was second; he got MVP votes. C.D. Lamb was third. Lamar Jackson was fourth for Offensive Player of the Year. Then Dak, then Josh Allen. Yeah, I guess I did. Who beat out Brock Purdy for that award? By for that voting, by the way. Okay, I guess I didn't realize that 
quarterbacks ever win Offensive Player of the Year because Mahomes did win it in 2018. He was the last quarterback to win it. Matt Ryan won it. Cam Newton won it. Right. I mean, it mostly is running backs and wide receivers, but mm-hmm. um, I guess I didn't think of that one because I usually think of Offensive Player of the Year as that's the award we give the running backs and receivers because we know yeah. they're never going to win MVP. It generally is. Um, so, yeah. Tim, yeah, Tim, I, I, I agree with like that part of it. Look, I, I've said, Tim, that I have no problem with Lamar winning MVP. I think in the construct of the award, as much as I say it should be the guy who had the best year, to me that might be Josh Allen. I think Lamar had a sensational year, and he didn't throw for as many touchdowns or even run for as many, but I think the body of work overall was pretty remarkable, and he kept the turnovers down, and he still had a really good year, and his team won a lot of games based on a lot of what he did. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair, and I, I don't want to come off, and, and I'm sure you guys are taking calls all morning about, you know, potentially like me sounding like a Bills homer or anything like that. I'm just thinking, like, when when you sit back and you compare resumes over the course of the season, yes, Lamar didn't have the roller coaster ride that Josh Allen did, and his team wasn't also on the brink of not not even making the playoffs. But, man, oh, man, when you just look at them side by side, it's like it just seems like, what are we doing? I don't know. Thanks, guys. I, I really Yeah, that, that, that would be if you do that statistically. I agree. Joe, how much of the very first week, Josh Allen throwing three interceptions, sunk his MVP candidacy at the end of the season? I it think might, might be quite a bit. It might have. He, he was never yep. really the favorite after that. It was the right. first impression of everybody all year. Yeah, I, I, I think it could have. But I, I don't know because it's – well, maybe it's both. Your first impression, but also – the just nature of what have you done recently? You know, like, I think Lamar at the end, like, again, he was kind of the leader in the clubhouse. He hadn't had a big screw-up at the end of the year. So, therefore, he's in the lead. And for comeback player of the year, I wonder if a factor there is that the Hamlin story was a year ago. The Flacco story is all within the last 50 days. And... The recency bias that could be involved there, I think, might have pushed Flacco over the top just because of that, because you had to wait a year to vote for DeMar Hamlin. Something else I saw today. Did you see the interview with Josh with Florio and Chris Sims? Um, A little bit. I saw snippets. Okay. If you watch the interview, it's really interesting. They talk about the season and, you know, there, there's some stuff in there. Four minutes in, there's a question about the season turning around and offensive coordinator and the change. Josh Allen, unprompted, brings up the Tyler Dunn article. Okay. It is the first time I have heard this much extensive talk from a player about the article and the impact on the team. Okay. And I think people should go listen to it. He basically says, and we can play the audio, but no need. I'd go just direct people there if they want to do it and then listen. But he he's asked, and he goes, yeah, and you know, right at that time there was an article that came out. Like, Josh brings it up unprompted. And then he goes into, we really rallied around Coach McDermott, and, and he talks extensively about, you know, how much he loves Sean McDermott, and that was a big deal. Um, I just thought it was interesting, and Florio then says – that Rasul Douglas told him that that was the that, that there was a whatever McDermott said to the team after that. Remember that day Sean called the press conference said he was going to talk to the team. Remember that when mm-hmm. that happened? Yep. Florio says Rasul Douglas told him whatever Sean said to the team meant a lot and like that was a moment things turned for them. 
look, of course, like you, you, they mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't win everything. They went on a run. They did lose a game after that. Um, but well, they didn't actually. They won on the five game win streak. I think right after the bye, whatever it was. Yeah, they did. But yep. the point I'm making is, I just thought it was interesting, Joe, that this was the most I had heard a player talk about this and the impact on the team. I don't think I had ever heard anybody really reference it directly. Not not the right. players. I know McDermott had. Correct. But I had not heard a player do that. And for the player to be Josh Allen, too. Yeah, I mean, because a third of the piece, 20,000 words, the, the part three of it was all about Allen. It was, the title of it was Let Josh Be Josh, I think. So for Allen to come out and, and talk about it, I think, is maybe even more critical than... I mean, who else could? I mean, if Diggs had said it, you know, the way the space he's in right now, maybe yeah, that could right, have meant right. more. But I think Allen saying it, you know, has to go as long away as anybody else. All right, let's uh, get to Matt on a cell. Hey, Matt, what's going on, buddy? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, just calling to kind of throw my two cents in about the Comeback Player of the Year award. And honestly, I'm curious to hear what you say. Uh, first of all, I didn't think DeMar really should have probably made the roster over Anderson or Marlowe uh, back in August. However, uh, he did, and I just didn't know if the, if the award is based on coming back or is it making a comeback. And if we can differentiate between the two, I mean, Hamlin hardly saw the field, and when he did, he was more often a liability than an asset this season, where despite his personal story and despite his personal achievement of making it back, which is great, uh, and all this, the awareness that he brought to the NFL community. But I definitely thought a guy like Joe Flacco, who came back and pretty much excelled on a decimated team, but I just thought that they chose the right player. What do you all think? Uh, Matt, no, Matt, stay on the line because I want to touch on this. I'd like Joe, I'd like you to touch on the comeback part and related to the Alex Smith thing you talked about. Let me talk first mm-hmm. about DeMar as a player. He's not a He's he's the he's a depth safety. He's the fifth safety on the roster. The team is also aware, Matt, that if he has to play safety, like they're not in a great spot. He's a special teams player, and I know what happened at the end of the year with the you know fake punt and all that. That's not his role. So to say, you know, well, he hardly played. He didn't. He played a lot. He he didn't dress every game. I get that, but he was a depth player. He made the roster like other guys. Alec Anderson is inactive every week. You know, um, Ryan Vandermark, mm-hmm. I think, you know, inactive sometimes. Right. The, that happens. You have to. You can only choose certain guys who can be active. Um, but for his role, uh, if you thought Dean Marlowe should have made the roster, maybe, I don't know, he's an older guy. Um, he's not going to play. He's not going to be probably as effective on special teams necessarily as DeMar Hamlin, but that was his role. So I think it's a little unfair to put him in that category, Matt, but I understand. And, yes, he was not a player you wanted to see on defense, because. but that's not his position. And then, Matt, and then Joe, you mm-hmm. talked about this as far as what the award means as far as coming back or versus come back. Right. Like, just... In special circumstances, what the award? Go look up the definition of comeback. You know, do whatever you need to do. You, the guy that came back from death is the, to anything playing football at all. When I don't know how hard was that mentally. Maybe we'll find out someday. Maybe we'll write a book, or maybe we'll hear you know more about it. What mentally it took to come back from being in a coma for multiple days after his heart stopped on the football field and then being able to return to the football field within a year. I mean, right, part of this is the expectation of the player. What was the expectation of the player? I mean, and also what maybe could be added in here is 
Hamlin, who started 13 games the year before, they had to treat their offseason like they didn't know what they were going to get out of him, right? Like, they had to make sure Cam Lewis was going to be back in the fold. They had to go sign Taylor Rapp to make sure. I mean, I never thought Hamlin was horrible when he played defense in 2022. He wasn't great by any means. But the Bills, I'm sure, made moves and treated their offseason as though, hey, we just got to design it as though we don't know what we're getting here because he went through something nobody else ever has, and we need to prepare it just in case. So what was left for him? A special teams role, uh, an active depth safety role, because that's what DeMar Hamlin is. But that was always known. That was always known. So when you look at recent examples like Alex Smith winning MVP or winning comeback player of the year only four years ago, there's just a very recent example of you're, we know you're willing to give the guy the award based on what he overcame off the field just to get onto the field because Alex Smith stunk. When he came back and only played, by the way, six games four years ago and won Comeback Player of the Year. And I'm sure if I go even deeper back in time, I could find other examples of when that happened. Um, I don't know. And by the way, it's not like the whole league was out to get him. It's not like all voters were out to get him. He had eight more first place votes than Joe Flacco Mm -hmm. did. He is, in part, you know, not the Comeback Player of the Year because of the award system because of the voting system because i think the his nature sam monson got to this from pff the reason hamlin lost is if you didn't vote for him for first you couldn't vote for him for second it's why he got left off those ballots mm. because you're well, you're not going to give him second place if you're if you're qualifying him under the award he wins it there's there's no other outcome. If you are just going on, you have to have special performance on the field, you're leaving him off your ballot. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I just think given that there are examples of guys that came back from ex- extreme circumstances that just got back on the field and won this thing, I think DeMar Hamlin should have been the obvious choice. So, Matt, I think at the end of the day it comes down to how you define it, right? We talked about the definition of these awards and what they are. I, I think that you could make it a case that you know a guy has to, you know, if you want to, you could say, hey, well, you know what, he came back and was had this season after not having a very good year, or guys, you know, a lot of times these guys come back from injuries, but he was never going to be a guy, and the expectation was it was going to play a lot, but he still played, and I and I think to me that mattered after what he went through. I think you guys. Um, only other thing I've got to say before you let me go is Josh Allen would have been my vote as well and yep. if you comp- if it had to go to a quarterback this year I don't know why he didn't get it because the staff from Lamar's hands down okay Matt thanks for the call buddy appreciate it thank you very much Neil in North Carolina what's up Neil hey thanks for taking my call first on the uh, Josh Allen um, looking at the stats he was fourth in yards Lamar was 15th passing touchdowns Josh was fourth Lamar was 15th Rushing, Josh was one, Lamar was fifth. Total touchdowns, Josh was one, Lamar was ninth. It's crazy to even imagine that. And I always thought the MVP award, most valuable player for their team. Who is more valuable valuable than Josh Allen? Who? It drives me crazy. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were done. Apparently... 
People thought Lamar was... I, I don't have an argument with, like, I don't think you could... Lamar was very valuable to his team, by the way, Joe. Yeah, the defense was very good. So was the Bills' defense. He also didn't have great receivers. Like, we talk about the Bills' receivers mm-hmm. and not being able to separate or letting him down at the end of the year. Lamar didn't have great receivers. Like, I, I, I'm uncomfortable kind of putting Lamar down in this, like, this conversation because mm-hmm. I think he's a worthy MVP choice this year. I really do. I think it's fine. I... I might have. I don't have a vote. I might have voted for him. I didn't go that deep into it to think about. I'm also closer to the situation with Josh Allen here. I get that, but I think there were two guys you could have definitely put on uh, up front for your first place vote, and those were the only two to me. I I would have put those two. I would have put Dak in in the trio as well. I think those are the three. I think you can most make a case for. Um, mm-hmm. Dak, I just think was the most efficient quarterback in the league all year. He had some bad games at the end, which I think kind of hurt it. Right, and maybe would be why I wouldn't have voted for him if I had a vote. But the totality of the year, Dak was hyper efficient. I mean, th- forty five hundred yards, thirty six touchdowns, led the league, seventy percent completion. Like the numbers are there for Dak, and the regular season success was there. But right, like that Bills game, I think really Dak was not that far off. I think if the if the Cowboys beat the Bills in Buffalo, I think Dak's the MVP. You know what? Maybe. And you know what? When I looked at his numbers today, they were better than I realized, I guess. I knew he had a nice year. He actually, Josh had 44 total touchdowns, 22 interceptions, or yeah. turnovers, total turnovers. He had 38 and 11. That's a great ratio. That's very good. It's very Dak. good. Dak. And he is, um, he's someone that got criticized for the picks last year. And mm-hmm. this year started to really wipe those away. He went down from 15 to 9. 15, by the way, in 12 games to 9 in 17 games. So, like, a third of the interceptions by percentage. Um, so I would have made a case for Dak, too. I might have still got to him third behind Allen and Jackson. But the whole the whole point here is the, the whole outrage is that Allen was fifth. Like, I can get to Dak as a third-worthy guy. Right. And some can, I'm yes. sure, get to the Niners guys. But... Allen to be behind all four of them is pretty is pretty weird to me. We got a weekend coming up with the Sabres playing an afternoon game tomorrow and then the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll get into all that when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Robertson gets it in front to hits big save by Lukanen. Special delivery, UPL, with a one-on-one showdown against one of the best in the game right now at putting the puck in the net. Anticipating Uko Pekalukanen to be the starting goaltender for the Sabres tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. when they take on the St. Louis Blues downtown at KeyBank Center. We'll, of course, have coverage for you right here on WGR and along the Buffalo Sabres radio network. Pre-game show begins at 12 p.m. So... We got into a little bit yesterday about UPL and his contractual status coming up and what that looks like. And Joe, you brought up an interesting point that, you know what, this might be the best time to trade him. I agree with that. I'm not advocating for it necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what the goaltending situation looks a few years down the road if you that much believe in Devin Levi, which I believe the organization does. Right. Levi's a part of it, and I you know, still believe, and I think there's a ton of evidence to back this up, that he's having a completely normal 21-year-old yep. season for development for a goalie of the... Hey, Lukanen is maybe an example of this. Don't rush to judgment. If you thought, if you thought Devin Levi was a top-level goalie prospect, 
then there's nothing that should have happened this year that would have swayed you in the other direction because you're also seeing Lukanen. Lukanen was once the Sabres' best goalie prospect, and then he had, I, I would say, three years of development worse than the year Levi's having right now, I, I think. And look what he did this year. He's he's a number one goaltender. He's a top 25 goalie at least, which puts him in the number one category. There's about 50, 60 goalies that play consistently. He's well, he's above average, um, number one level. So he's showing you, hey, patience. Well, okay, well, with Levi, if you still believe he's going to be your number one one day, or at least think that's likely, well, then now I'm faced with, well, how much do I pay Lukanen when the most mm-hmm. likely role for him is to be like the 1B or even just a straight number two behind Devin Levi. How uh, I'm not saying that's not important at all, but how valuable is that? Because, again, my idea from yesterday wasn't rushing him off the team. I only would want even consider an idea like this if you're getting something substantial back. Like, can I get a top four defenseman with Lukanen and a pick attached to him or Lukanen and a prospect? Because if that's the case, and I get Devin Levi to be my number one someday, I can figure out a 1B goaltender. The good teams rotate that guy every year. They go find a veteran for one or two years. Um, the the Of course, the risk there, there's two parts of it that make it tough. One, I got to be right that you can get a top four defenseman for Uka Pekalukkanen. I, I think that could be right. I don't know it. And then two, you better uh, you you're you're entering back into the uncertainty of what your goalie situation is long term because we don't yet know what Levi ceiling is. There are I'm looking right now, sixty one goaltenders in the NHL making a million dollars or more. Sixty one. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a ton of money, but you compare that to Lukin and where is Lukin right now? He is at nine twenty five. He's not even up there yet. Yeah. He's an RFA. He's going to get paid more money. Like, where where does he fall on the, okay, you're comfortable with paying him yeah. this salary going forward? Because if you even want to put him in, let's go, there's 32 teams. I know it's not completely one-to-one in this comparison here. The 32 guy, as far as salary, is Frederick Anderson at $3.7 million. Right. This is according to Cap Friendly, by the way. I mean... You have th- below that. You still have guys, Joe, making three plus million dollars, who are fortieth uh, mm-hmm. and thirty seventh. It goes thirty seven deep of th- over three million dollars, thirty eight deep. Yeah, is there a bridge deal? Probably that to me is the likely outcome. That's that is probably what's going to happen here. I don't really think he's going to get traded, even if there might be some merit to the idea. It's tough to do, and I think that's unlikely. And I think a long-term extension just doesn't... I don't know. What does that sound like right now? Giving him, after one good year, that's a position where it's even more up and down than some of the... You know, look at Thompson and Cousins, where they had down years immediately after signing contracts. Cousins, Tage had the big year. Um, Goalies up and down. You're going to give him seven years what? You're going to give him four, four and a half million dollars, five million dollars over seven. I think like a three-year deal for like three, three and a half million bucks seems appropriate to me. You're not near the cap yet. You don't do a long-term deal with him. I That, that would be what I think is probable and also I think probably fair, right? You're not giving him a massive cap hit and you're also 
you know, rewarding him for having the year he's having. I know they're not going to make a like they're not. It wouldn't feel like a deadline deal to you know trade mm-hmm. the uh, the prospects. You know that's not what teams are looking for right now necessarily. And the Bill and the Sabers aren't going to bring in guys right now to make the playoffs. It seems like that's kind of a fruitless effort. You'd be kind of wasting giving up on those guys or getting rid of those guys. But let's say off season comes around. Like who fetches the most out of that group? Yesterday, I'm not talking about the guys like Paterka mm-hmm. and Quinn, the guys that are up now. I'm talking about Savoy, Kulik, Rosine, Oslin, those guys. Like, what are you getting back for them? If you if you decide to trade Yuri Kulik, are, are you going to be able to get back a top four defenseman, a top six forward? I don't even know if you can. No, I mean you have to package you other add. things in there. Yeah, you got you got to you got to give more than that. No one's giving you a top four defenseman for no. one for one prospect. I don't Correct. think. Um, but what are you looking at? Are you looking at a one, a two, like a, a, a one, a draft pick? And well, obviously in the NHL, you get middle rounds don't mean as much. That's another thing. It's tough. And that's why I almost wonder if offseason makes more sense, sense because here we are again. This is another reason why last year felt like the right opportunity. Not even just because you had, I think, earned your way off a bunch of players no trade list or would have made them consider coming here on their own initiative. But last year, where was your first round pick? It was in the teens. That that's that's not that bad. You can stomach that. I'd be very worried to trade my first round pick right now. It's going to be in the top five at this rate. It would be sixth if the season ended today. And who's to say like you never? It would be lottery protected. I'm sure. But I don't know. Is that worth it? I'm giving up a top prospect and I'm giving up maybe a top five pick too. Like off season, you would be able to trade your pick the next year maybe more easily. So. But that's the move, Sal. I think it's you're you're giving up your first round pick in the future, and you're giving up Yuri Kulik, and you're getting like a 28 year old top four defenseman. I think that that's the move, and I think Kulik probably has the most value of that group. But I, if you want that guy on his own, I mean, you got to give up Zach Benson, and I don't know if anyone's in, in the has the appetite no. to do that. Well, I certainly don't. I don't think Kevin Adams does. Now, I I would also say that sometimes you. Like I don't want to do that, but at some point there might be a trade there that I, I like the guy, and I'm like, but you gotta, yeah. you gotta do it at some point, right? You gotta do it, and there is a guy that is being mentioned with the Sabers in mind this morning. Um, hmm. Friedman's talking about the Sabers again on Thirty Two Thoughts, the pot hit the podcast hmm. today, and he it's not again not a report, actually not Friedman, excuse me, Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet. Um, says, I wonder about a team like the Buffalo Sabres for Scott Lawton of the Flyers. Maybe offseason, but that's probably a team that's looking for a bit more snarl and veteran presence. And this is what I think is probably most likely. Like, I don't expect, even in the offseason, them to make a move that goes, holy cow, look at that, all right, it's go time, this is going to be awesome. Like, I, this is the type of move I think is more likely. Scott Lawton is 29 He's fine. He's a middle six guy. He had a career-high 18 goals last year, and he's been in the league for 10 years. So like that's the level of player I think we're talking about. I, I don't know how likely it is that they're going to ha- get their hands on a star-level player. Real quickly, just looking over their, um, their pending UFAs, if anybody, is, is anybody interested in guys like this at the deadline? You think Olofsson? I doubt it. 4.7? That's yeah. not happening. No. That probably not all. Zemgis, 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 Penalty killer. I think. I think Zem- he could. I can. I've always been able to picture him on the Lightning, just playing like a fourth line role mm. for them. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think Zemgus is definitely... I think Zemgus gets traded. I, I would bet that finally okay. ends. The guy that has been on this team so long that he played with Henrik Talinder, I think, will be <laughs> off the team. Um, Eric Robinson. They traded for him. He's a pending UFA, only making 1.6. That's... Yeah, if someone wants him. I don't know if you're getting anything, really, but if some, if you, if he wants to play in the playoffs and someone wants him. I just think the player is not the kind of player necessarily that's going to help you too much, but maybe a team finds value in Kyle Oposo, and would he be willing to do it? Uh, that's the one to me that is actually the most interesting, not because of what they'd get back. I don't think the Sabres would right. get much. Right, no. But he has all that veteran leadership and presence mm-hmm. that you might want. He actually, I don't think this is true anymore. No, it's not. There was a, there was a moment there where he was on a 20-goal pace. Um He's not right now. He is. He's got nine goals in forty-seven games. So we're talking about a sixteen-goal pace for Oposo right now. So he's giving you a little bit in the goal scoring department. He does penalty kill for you. So I could see a team that's about to go in a playoff round. Guys like that get traded all the time, wanting him for like a fifth-round pick. But that's going to be more of the personal side, right? Like, does Oposo want to do it? Does he right. do want to? He's got his family here, right? Like, does he want to say, "Hey, for three months"? Well, it won't be three months. March, yeah, maybe it could be three for two to three months. Uh, Daddy's going to go to, to Colum- not Columbus, um, Vancouver for the ch- one last run at the Cup. I haven't won the Cup. I haven't made the playoffs since I was with the New York Islanders eight years ago. I'm going to step away from my family for a couple months, and I'm going to go try to make one last run at a Stanley Cup. That that to me might be up to Oposo. If he comes to them and says, mm-hmm. "Hey, I gave you one more year. I've been the captain. We, I think I brought these young guys as far as I can bring them. I'm not going to do anything else in the next two months. It's going to change anything. I want one more run at a Stanley Cup." If Oposo comes to Kevin Adams and says that, I bet they find him a trade. Hundred percent agree with you. They would they would try to accommodate him in some way. By the way, 24 playoff games he's played in his career, 15 points, seven goals. Eight assists for Kyle Oposo. When we come back, we'll wrap up your Friday with our Super Bowl 58 picks. All right. Super Bowl 58. L-V-I-I-I. Are you good with Roman numerals, Joe? I'm getting better. Not my forte. L-V-I-I-I. Aren't we getting to like a really clean looking one coming up soon? Well, we'll 60, well, 60 yeah. Uh, 60 L-I. will be LX. LX. Nice. That, that's got a good look to it. Super Bowl LX. Yeah. Super Bowl Alex. This is called Super Bowl Alex. Who won Super Bowl Alex? LX. Mm-hmm. This one's 58. Chiefs 49ers. I'll start, Joe, and just tell you that I kind of agree with the analysis of most people, which is how do you really go against Mahomes? And it kills me to do that. It's the same thing with Brady. But Brady did he did lose three of these. He lost two to the Giants. He lost one to the Eagles. I mean, he won six, right? Seven, whatever he won, seven. <laughs> six with the Patriots. But it's the same thing for me. Now, Mahomes has lost one, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to go against. And honestly, I just, I don't, I think the Niners are a very good team, but Dude, the Lions had a 17-point lead on them early in the game. Like, they're not this world-beating team. The Packers should have beaten them. The Chiefs with Andy Reid, two weeks to prepare. Patrick Mahomes, 
I hope I'm wrong, everyone. I hope I'm wrong. I will be rooting for the Niners. I don't love the Niners. Like, oh, my God. It's just I don't want the Chiefs. Mm. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I have the Chiefs 27-20. I mean, their defense is too good. They're not going to allow too high of a score. And I just think Mahomes and Kelsey and the offense will be able to Mm-hmm. They'll be able to score some points, and I'm going to go 27-20 Chiefs. I am going to pick the 49ers. I think they're going to win yes! the game. I, I think I'm I'm happy. Thank you for yes. doing that for me. Thank I you. believe that this is a tough matchup for Kansas City because they have – we all know okay. their struggle on defense is run defense. And they did yeah, fine right. against the Bills. The Ravens just chose not to do it. So I don't know what that would have looked like even. The Niners are great running the football. They're one of the best running teams in the league, at least by like DVOA and some of that stuff. Um, McCaffrey, that's why I'm betting at McCaffrey to win MVP of this game. So I think they'll run the ball on the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs' offense is not the same, and that's going to look real in this game. The Niners have a lot of talent on defense. They might be punching below their weight, I would say, in the last few weeks, especially going back to that Baltimore regular season game. But how did Travis Kelsey get so open against the Dolphins and the Bills? The Bills didn't, and the Dolphins didn't have healthy linebackers. And that's going to be important. And the Niners have Fred Warner and Greenlaw. Like they have, they have maybe the best linebacker duo in the league. I thought that would matter more against Baltimore. I guess it didn't. But I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. The Chiefs' offense isn't right. Running the ball for the Niners. I got 20-16 to 16 in favor of San Francisco. One thing we didn't do today, congratulations to the Hall of Fame class of 2024. Interesting names, including former Syracuse Orange, Dwight Freeney. Also, Randy Gratishaw, Devin Hester. I kind of have a little bit of an issue with that, but that's okay. He was a great player. Andre Johnson, Steve McMichael, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis. We'll talk about that maybe on Monday when we also dissect the Super Bowl. Sabres live up next. One Bill's live after that. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl.